you have your Bibles, please open with me to the book of Luke. This is Luke chapter 2 on this fourth Sunday of Advent. We're looking at the character Simeon. This sermon is entitled, The Fall and Rising of Many. This is Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 35. If you're able, friends, I invite you to stand with me and honor the reading of God's holy word. Luke 2, starting in verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in in the Spirit into the temple, and when The parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law. He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, and you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles. And for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also. So that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Pray with me one more time. Lord, this is your word. Remove every distraction that we might focus on it. That we might worship you by the preaching of your word. If there's one here who doesn't know you, bring that one to Christ, we pray. And for believers, continue to grow us. And may we see your truth through this word, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Waiting. Waiting. If you recall last Sunday when Pastor Darrell began his sermon on Mary and Joseph, he began it with an illustration on waiting. Well, friends, today we begin the same way. Yet today what we're talking about is waiting on the promises of God. Let me ask you a question. Has someone ever made you a promise, but it took a very, very, very long time to see maybe the results of that promise or the fulfillment of that promise? You know, a situation like that happened in the Old Testament. We're all familiar with it. We remember the story of Abraham, Sarah, and Isaac. You know, the Bible teaches us that Abraham and Sarah It was really difficult. They couldn't have a child. And they got into their older age and they didn't have a child. They didn't have an heir. So they took matters into their own hands and Abraham had a child with Hagar. But yet God said, that's not the child. You're going to have a child, but that's not the child. You see, Abraham and Sarah, I'm going to give you a son. 
Even in your old age, I'm going to promise you that you're going to have a child. And what was Abraham's reaction? What was Sarah's reaction? Do you remember? They laughed. How could this be? We're in our old age. This is impossible. We can't have a child. Yet God continued to ask them to wait, didn't he? And they waited, and they waited, and they waited. And then finally, yes, Sarah conceives. And they have a child, the child of the promise. We know him to be Isaac. You see, friends, when God makes a promise, he's going to fulfill it. But oftentimes, in the midst of that promise, he asks us to what? To wait. To wait patiently on the promise of God to be revealed. Let's go to today's text. You see, in today's text... We have another man, Simeon, and God makes Simeon a promise. And God asked Simeon to do what he asked Abraham to do. He asked him to wait, to wait on the promise of God that would be revealed in his life. Friends, today as we come to this fourth Sunday of Advent, as we study the character Simeon, I want you to see four specific things about Simeon waiting on the promise of God in his life. All the points start with the letter P, so hopefully they'll be easy to remember. If you have your bulletin, look on the very back. There's an outline there that should guide you through this sermon. But as it regards Simeon, let's look at these four points, all starting with P. First of all, let's look at the person of Simeon. Who is Simeon? Secondly, let's look at that promise that God gave him and the praise that resulted from God fulfilling that promise. Thirdly, let's see Simeon's proclamation. And then fourth and finally, let's look at the prophecy that Simeon gives us coming from the promise of God. But let's zoom in. Verse 25, let's reread the verse. Let's focus, first of all, on the first P, the person of Simeon. Who is Simeon? Verse 25 says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout. And what was he doing? Waiting. Waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. You know, the Bible really doesn't give us that much information on Simeon. In fact, it's only here in Luke chapter 2 that we read about this man, Simeon. But from this one verse, verse 25, it actually teaches us a pretty good amount about this man. So let's zoom in and see what this verse says about Simeon. First of all, friends, it teaches us that Simeon was righteous and devout. Those two words point to the fact that Simeon was a faithful believer in the Lord. You know, the word devout teaches us that he feared God. Simeon recognized what Proverbs chapter 1 says, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You see, Simeon was devout. He feared God. He saw God for who he is and what he he was doing in the world. But secondly, the Bible says he was righteous. Friends, this points to the fact that he believed in the Lord and it's clear that the Lord had done for him what God had done for Abraham many years 
earlier. You see, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed to him as righteousness. You see, Simeon was a believer in God, and God had charged his righteousness on Simeon's life. So we see that he was a faithful believer. But secondly, if you look at your outline, what was he doing? He was waiting. He was waiting on the consolation of Israel. Now, this phrase teaches us a number of things. First of all, by waiting, it teaches us that he was a patient man. A patient man. He was waiting upon the Lord. You see, Simeon obviously knew the Old Testament promises that God was going to send the Christ. And those promises started with Adam. And they went from Adam to to Noah, to Abraham, to Moses, to David, and then to the prophets. He knew the Old Testament. And even though it had taken a very long time, Right? To get from Adam to, to Simeon, Simeon was being patient. You know, that amount of time might have frustrated a lot of people. But it didn't frustrate Simeon. He was patient. And as he was waiting, the Bible says he was waiting on the consolation of Israel. That is, in his patience, Simeon looked with hope. He looked with anticipation for the embodiment of the Messiah that would come not only to fulfill all those Old Testament covenants before him, but that would be be an encouragement and a hope for Israel Israel in their situation. But the Bible also says that the Holy Spirit was upon him. This teaches us, friends, that Simeon was spirit-led guided by God himself, that his daily conduct, his thoughts, his intents, they were God-honoring. His focus was not on the world, but what, what, what his focus was upon what God was doing. Now step back for a minute and examine this situation with Simeon, who he is, his person. Do you see the great position Simeon was in to be used by God? He feared the Lord his God. He was waiting on the promise that God had given him, waiting with hope. And instead of being so focused on the things of the world, he was being led by God himself, by the Holy Spirit. Friends, if you look at those attributes of the way the Bible describes Simeon, it describes a person in a position to be used mightily By God himself. And that's what God was getting ready to do in Simeon's life. And it kind of makes us take a step back and look at a man like this. And it makes us say to our own lives, hey, are we ready to be used by God? Do we fear God properly like Simeon feared the Lord? Are we looking with hope towards the promises of God? And are we being led and guided by the Holy Spirit? Are we in step with the Spirit, is what Galatians teaches us, instead of being in step with the world? Because, friends, when we find ourselves focusing on the world and focusing on um, all the things of this world, our, our heart is not in a good place to be used and led by God. But when we focus upon what God wants us to focus upon, 
seeing him, as this text says, in a fearful way, being led by his spirit, God will indeed use us. And he does so here with Simeon, which leads us to our second point, which is the promise and praise. Look at verses 26 through 29. The Bible says, And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, Now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Think about this. God did something for Simeon that he also did for Abraham in the Old Testament. God made Simeon a promise. And in Simeon's case, that promise was, before you die, you are going to see the Lord's Christ. Think about that. Hey, Simeon. Before you die, you're actually going to see the Lord's Christ. Friends, could you imagine receiving a promise like that? The excitement that must be in your heart. The anticipation of God fulfilling everything he had talked about in the Old Testament. That God was getting ready to fulfill fulfill his promise to Adam. That the seed of woman would come and crush the head of the serpent. You would see this man. You would see the seed of the woman. You would see the promised seed of Abraham through whom all nations would be blessed. You would see the one who could fulfill the law of Moses. You could see the promised Davidic king who would sit on the throne forever. Whose kingdom would never end. You would see the one Isaiah talked about. The suffering servant, you're going to see him. You're going to see him before you die. But we see God also called Simeon to do exactly what he called Abraham to do. Wait. Wait. And the Bible says that Simeon did wait. And he waited patiently. You know, this text does not say how long he had to wait. But given some of Simeon's comments later in the text, it's very likely that he must have been an older man because he tells the Lord, hey, when God fulfills the promise, Lord, I'm, I'm ready to go and be with you. But this text says that one day, under the direction of the sovereignty of God, in God's providential plan, Simeon walks into the temple. And the Bible says that Mary and Joseph were there that day with Jesus. And at that moment, God fulfilled his promise to Simeon. God allowed Simeon to see the Lord's Christ. But think about this. Not only did he get to see him, right? The Bible says he got to pick him up and hold him. He picked up Jesus in his arms. Can you imagine what was going on in Simeon's heart and his mind as God fulfilled his promise to Simeon? Now, let's take a step back and examine a few things about this situation. First of all, I want you to think about the place 
Think about the place where this promise was fulfilled. It was in the temple. You know, as we study the temple and the tabernacle in the Old Testament, we find that, you know, it started as the tabernacle, this tent. And what, what was the purpose of it? The purpose of the temple, well, one of the purposes was it was the place where God came down and met with men. God is meeting with humanity in the tabernacle, which became the temple. The glory of God comes down in the tabernacle and the temple. Friends, think about this. The temple is the spot where Jesus comes to meet Simeon. It is the spot where God comes to meet man. How perfect the situation that was to be in that place for Simeon to meet Jesus. But then secondly, look at the text. It says that in the situation, Simeon blessed God. That words of praise flowed out of Simeon's heart and his mouth. God was making this promise a yes in his life. And Simeon praised God for it. Why? Because it was according to your word. That's what the text says. The promise was fulfilled because it was according to the word God said it would be. Think through that real quick. We're going to apply that in just a moment. But then Simeon says, now let your servant depart in peace. You see, God's fulfilling that promise in Simeon's life. It gave Simeon so much hope. His joy was complete. His heart was at peace. The anticipation had been fulfilled. So he says, Lord, I am now ready to go and be with you because I have peace in my heart because you have said yes to your promises. Dear friend, what does this teach us? How can we apply it even to our own lives? The Bible teaches us, friends, over and over, as you wait upon the Lord, as you wait upon the Lord and His promises, don't get frustrated because we should never, ever doubt God. That all promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. That if God says something's going to happen, it will happen. He might ask us to wait upon it. But he asks us to wait with patience, with anticipation, with hope, just as Simeon did, because God's going to fulfill his promise. Dear friend, right now in your life, I want you to know that the Lord might be asking you to wait. But rest assured, dear friend, that all the promises of God towards you are yes and amen in Christ. If God today maybe is calling you to wait, please know, even if you feel abandoned, His promise to you is, I will never leave you or forsake you. If God is calling you to wait and you feel like God won't provide, God will provide all of your needs according to His glorious riches because that is according to the Word of God. And I see the verses on the screen. Look at it. Psalm 130, verse 5. Maybe there's no better verse to summarize the life of Simeon than this verse. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in His Word, I hope. There is nothing more sure in this life than the word of God. And Simeon held on to God's word and he waited patiently 
And God fulfilled his promise. His heart, dear friend, was at peace. And God will also provide his promises to us. Let us wait and wait patiently. But so let's now look at this third point. Simeon's proclamation. Look down at the text, verses 30 through 32. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Simeon picks up that little baby Jesus, holds him in his arms, and what does he say? My eyes have seen your salvation. You know, it reminds us of what John wrote in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, we have looked upon, we have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. John himself says, I got to see Jesus, I got to touch Jesus. Simeon says the same thing. My eyes have seen. What? Your salvation. Think about that word, salvation. Jesus is salvation. That's what his name means. Salvation, salvation from what? Was it salvation from their geographical enemies? No. Was it salvation from their political opponents? No. The Bible says it's salvation from our own sins. This is what Matthew says. Matthew 1.21. We'll put it on the screen. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from what? From their sins. Friends, I want you to know and, and be reminded today that the Christmas story teaches us that as you remember the cradle of Christ, remember his cross. That's what my old Baptist pastor used to tell me. Adam, when you remember the cradle, remember the cross. My eyes have seen your salvation. You see, the whole purpose of the infant Christ coming was that Christ would set his eyes towards the cross and die for our sins. The Bible teaches us, friends, there is none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and that the wages of our sin is death. But God demonstrated his own love towards us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And when Christ went to the cross, he paid for your sin and for mine. He died for our sins that we might be saved from them, that we would have salvation by grace through faith. Dear friend, when you remember the cradle, remember the cross. And you look forward in the text, Simeon pictures the salvation of Christ in two ways. Look at it. This is verse 30, excuse me, verse uh, 31 and 32. It says, you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Here's the way he does it. When you think about the Gentiles, he says Christ is a light. When you think about Israel, he says Christ is 
glory. Do you see it in the text? Gentiles light, Israel glory. Why would he say that? First of all, let's look at light. The Bible teaches us that Jesus is a light for the darkness of the pagan nations. You know, anytime it's dark, we need light. I remember it was about this time of year in 1999. I was 22 years old. I was a youth intern at Back Creek PCA up in Mount Ola in Rowan County. And I remember I'd taken the youth group out. We had done a Christmas event, and I brought them all back to the church. And this was way out in the country. Uh, there, were, there weren't any lights anywhere. I remember there was a, a llama farm and a miniature horse farm right behind the church. Um, and I, we, we, we brought the, the youth back, and all the youth went home, and, and I was there by myself. So I got in the church van, and I went and parked it in the garage. And I was going to go get in my car and go home. And I parked the van and uh, came out of the garage, and I turned the lights off in the garage. And then, wow, everything was completely dark. I was way out in the country. I couldn't see anything. I literally held my hand up in front of my eyes, and I couldn't see the outline of my hand. It was pitch dark. And you know what the only thing I could think was? One of those llamas and miniature horses is on its way to get me. It's going to come attack me. I'm not even going to be ready for this. But I kind of stumbled around and felt around and found my way to the car. But at that moment, you know what I thought? I need a light. I need a light because I am in the middle of darkness. Friends, Jesus teaches us in his word that because of the darkness of our sin to the Gentile world, they're walking in darkness. Jesus is the light. He is the one that will point us in the right direction to bring us salvation in our God. Listen to what Matthew says and how this is rooted in the Old Testament. This is Matthew 4. Now, when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. And here it is, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way to, of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. For those dwelling in the region of the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. What does Jesus say? I am the light of the world. Jesus is the light to the darkness of the Gentiles. But then it says that Jesus is the glory of Israel. How shall we understand that? Do you remember a moment ago as we talked about the tabernacle? In the temple, uh, maybe think about Exodus chapter 40. The tabernacle is in the middle of the camp in Israel. And what happens? God comes down. And the glory of God is manifested in that tabernacle. In the Holy of Holies, when the high priest would go in to sacrifice once a year, the glory of God would be manifested between the cherubim. You see, Christ is God coming down and he shows his glory to Israel think about this verse John 1 14 John writes and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen what his glory when did John see that glory think about it he was on the 
the Mount of Transfiguration, when Christ himself was glorified. You see, God's glory in Christ is what is associated, that's why it's associated with the glory of Israel. God coming down is the glory of Israel. Well, friends, this brings us to our final and last point. Simeon's prophecy. Let's look at these verses one more time, 33 through 35. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Okay, before verse 33, think about everything that Mary and Joseph had heard about Jesus from Simeon. They had heard a lot of great things, right? Your son is going to be salvation. The promise that I have been revealed, which has been revealed to me by God, gives me peace. Your son is going to be a light to the Gentiles. He is going to be the glory of of Israel. These are very positive things. Think about the message they had just heard from the shepherds who had just watched the angels sing, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill towards men. These were great and encouraging messages. And the text says they, were, they marveled at this. But right here in the text, there's a shift. Do you see it? There's a shift in the text. In verse 34, It says, Simeon blessed them. And then he shifted his attention to talk specifically to who? To Mary. And Simeon says some difficult things. He says, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel. He's appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel. Friends, what Simeon is saying to Mary, Jesus' mother, is that Mary, your son is going to be the great divider. William Hendrickson calls it the great divider. And ultimately what this means is that a person's relationship to Jesus Christ would be absolutely decisive in that person's eternal destiny. You see, some people are going to reject him. Some people are going to accept him. Those who reject him, this text says, are going to fall. They're going to fall to the eternity of destruction, fall to the eternity of hell and have no place in the kingdom of God. But the latter, those who accept him, the Bible says they will rise. That is, they will know God and they will rise with him one day to be in eternity with him in heaven. Simeon says this child will cause the falling and the rising of many. 
And friends, I want you to know the great truth that this teaches us. And hear me well, hear the Bible well, because it is teaching us that neutrality towards the Lord Jesus Christ is impossible. It is forever impossible. You see, that theme is all over the Bible. Paul says we're either walking in the light or walking in darkness. There's no neutrality. You're either spiritually alive or you're spiritually dead. Jesus says it this way, you're a wheat or a tare. You're a sheep or a goat. In John 8, he says, either your father is God Almighty or your father is Satan himself. We'll put this verse on the screen. This is John 3.18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Many will rise and many will fall. But you can also see that Jesus was called to be a sign that will be spoken against. A sign that will be spoken against. What's the function of a sign? A sign points you to something, right? Jesus always pointed people where? To his father. Yet the day Jesus said, I and my father are one. And Jesus would continually point to his father. What happened to Jesus? He was opposed. He was opposed by so many. In John 6, they grumbled about him because he said he was the bread of life. In John 13, they argued against Jesus because he said they were in bondage to sin. And then what happened? They plotted to kill Jesus. And when they did, the last phrase of this prophecy came true. You see, Jesus looked at Mary, or excuse me, Simeon looked at Mary, and what did he say to her? A sword will pierce through your own soul also. In John 19, you have the mother of Jesus. Standing by her son, who's dying on the cross, in Mary's own soul, her heart was pierced because her son was on the cross dying. For as much as the good news that Simeon had and the good news of those shepherds caused them to marvel, now Simeon is telling them, you got to know, that this child is destined for the falling and rising of many. you got to know that one day, a sword's going to pierce even your own soul. He's going to be spoken against because this is the way God is bringing forth salvation in this world. Yet with Christ, what does he do? He does all of these things, yet he conquers them. Because not only did Jesus die, but he rose again. And even though his mother's soul was hurting and grieving because her son was dying on the cross, he was able to comfort her and love her when he rose again and conquered all of her sin, all of everyone's sin in his salvation. Dear friends, as we close the sermon today, I pray there's many things that you can take away from this text. Let's start with this question. 
Are you ready to be used by God? You know, we, found, we find Simeon to be a man who is ready to be used by God because he feared the Lord. He waited on the Lord. He looked with hope. Friends, are we fearing God? Are we waiting on the Lord? Are we hopeful in the promises of God? Most importantly, are we being led by His Spirit that we might be used by God? Secondly, do you see the sovereignty and the providence of God in fulfilling His promises towards us? God calls Abraham to wait. He calls Simeon to wait. He might be causing us to wait too. Friend, if that is you, don't get frustrated. Never doubt God. Never doubt His promises. You know, there's one promise for all of us that Christ has given that we're all waiting on. You see, just as God promised Simeon, you're going to see the Lord's Christ. He's promised every one of us Christ is coming back. There's a second advent that's coming. And we are to wait, as Revelation says, with anticipation, with hope. Oh, come Lord Jesus, but he is coming. Dear friend, you can be assured of that. Do you see that Christ is salvation? And I'm not talking about your or our geographical enemies or political opponents. I'm talking about salvation from what? Our sin. See the light that he is to the Gentiles. The glory that Christ is to Israel. And then finally, dear friend, do you see that Christ is the great divider? There's going to be some that fall, yet some that rise. It all depends upon your relationship with Jesus Christ. Neutrality with God is impossible. You can't be in the middle. I'll close with this. There's a song I used to sing at one of my old churches. It says this. It says, what will you do with Jesus? Neutral you cannot be. Someday your heart will be asking, what will he do with me? Friend, if you don't know the Lord Jesus today, see him for who he is. Know that the arms of Christ are open wide. If you want to be saved, you can be saved. Christ has paid your price. Come to Christ today, being forgiven of your sins, and know the salvation, which is the light to the Gentiles, the glory of Israel. Pray with me.